Thanks for sharing. And so is a great story. Welcome to the Kiwi Foodcast, the show where we sit down with chefs, food businesses, food writers and more to share the stories behind the food they serve. I'm your host, Persan Patel, and this show is brought to you by Podcasts New Zealand. Let's dig in, everyone. Welcome again to the Kiwi Foodcast, everyone. Today on the show, we're taking a bit of a left turn. Our guests are food entrepreneurs, but their product is not edible. In fact, they claim their product will last you three generations. How's that for shelf life? Joe Carter and Kate Slavin are founders of the Ironclad Pan Company, the only New Zealand-made cast iron skillet. Those of us that love to cook will attest to the fact that what you use to cook your food can have a huge impact to your final dish. We chat today about why no one in New Zealand thought of making an iron skillet before and what the benefits are for using one in your cooking. We also chat about how the cookware we use can act and become an heirloom, something that forges connections between generations. So without further ado, let's begin. Hi Joe, hi Kate, thank you for coming on. Hi, nice to meet you. Thanks for having us on the show. Awesome. So let's begin with you, Joe. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself? What was your childhood like? Any early food memories? Yeah, um, I was really close with my nan growing up and she was a, a phenomenal cook throughout my childhood um, and swore by cast iron. She wouldn't cook in anything else beyond her cast iron skillet. Um, and it's something that her mum had given to her and, you know, um, it was just kind of just this beautiful thing that I understood absolutely nothing about. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, just started researching, learning a little bit more about it and trying to reconnect with some of those memories, I guess. And then, yeah, having met Kate, it became a reality. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to take a step back and tell you that I feel a bit offended because everyone who comes on the show only has great memories of cooking with their nan. No one yeah, seems right. to have any memories cooking with their mum. So as a mum, on behalf of all the mums worldwide, <laughs> why is this happening? <laughs> yeah, maybe you're too young, I guess, when it's your own mum and it's not until you're a little bit... Yeah. I don't know, actually. That's a good question. <laughs> Because I think you're like the seventh or eighth person to come on here and be like, I have great memories of my nan. And I do too. So I'm to- yeah. being a total hypocrite yeah. here. <laughs> but <laughs> or maybe the nans have more time to yeah. slow down and cook. And us mums are like racing around just trying to get whatever food we can get into the kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about you, Kate. Like, um, what was your childhood like? Do you have any early food memories? Yeah, I was trying to think about this. Um my early food memories are things like apple pie and um, mince and cheese strudel and sort of baked oven goods like that, really. And all of the um, favourite stuff like chocolate ice cream and mm. things that aren't really cooked. <laughs> yeah. But treats, yeah. Awesome. So tell me, um, where did the idea for the ironclad pan come from? I mean, when we spoke briefly, Joe, you told me you're obsessed with culture and understanding why some things change while others stay the same. So can you expand on how you came across the idea? I mean, on my side of things, I am, yeah, obsessed and, you know, try and observe culture as much as I can and how it's changing, how it stays the same, how we revisit previous parts of culture and, um, you know, 
creating something meaningful that really kind of stands the test of time. As much as culture and people and geographies and all the things change, um, something that that you know will will always be the same, but will be unique to every single person that uses it. Um, that's kind of where my head was at, but I've actually got nothing to do with the idea. I'll hand it over to Kate for that. Yeah, sure. Okay, so this is something that was brewing in the background for a long time. My husband and I um, wanted to create a product or or something that would, um, I guess in a really idealistic way, we wanted to make something that would genuinely improve people's lives on some level and we ended up focusing on the cast iron pan because it was a central piece in our kitchen at the time and something that we used a lot and thought you know this is a daily part of life and if we can create something similar to what we had but better then that would be pretty awesome so we started researching it and looking into it Um, cast iron seemed to be the way to go it was the most durable long lasting had all it's got all of these amazing qualities that we learned more about as we went um being able to season it and retaining sort of like your own unique family vibe flavor as and it gets better with age rather than deteriorating Mm -hmm. um so there was a real positive genuine story that we could tell around cast iron pans and we felt confident in being able to promote the three generational guarantee because of the durability so it it just felt like a really solid and have you always cooked in cast iron yeah Uh, yeah we have we were given a set of three like little nested set um and We've been trying to figure out where they actually came from, to be honest. I can't remember which <laughs> side of the family it was now. But it has been something that we use a lot. We've, we've used other kinds of cookware as well, obviously, but um, having done more and more research into it, those are falling by the wayside for us now. And um, we use our own ironclad pan like every day. Okay. It's just become habit. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I mean, we're living now in an era of new, you know, which for Mm. me, given my Indian roots, is something that is a kind of huge conflict for me because from where I come from, everything is repaired until it's literally like falling apart. I remember Mm. when we moved here Mm. and, you know, over here in New Zealand, the cost of repairing something is way more than just getting a new thing. So we got into that habit of just getting a new thing. And then when Mm. I moved back to India, I was like, just more conscious of it that people do actually repair my mother-in-law has a pressure cooker which she's been using since the time she got married so like 26 years now Mm. and to me that's something that I can't seem to wrap my head around because we're just in that kind of generation of like kind of oh you want something new like just pop over to Kmart and you know yeah get something new so I think why is it important do you feel in such an era to like just make something that just kind of lasts yeah uh well, the environment, for starters, I think we need to return back to that way of repairing things rather than throwing them away because it's just ending up in landfill and it's a disaster. Yeah. And um, it's such a shame that it is more expensive to repair uh, than replace. So 
it would be awesome to go back to those roots of repairing and looking after something and not buying cheaper just because it's cheaper. Mm. There's a false economy in that. I think when you buy a cheap pan, um, it will wear out faster or end up chipping or you know deteriorating and you'll spend probably just as much as if you bought something quality at the beginning and looked after it yeah mm. yeah that's something like sounds like what my dad would tell me you know yeah because yeah. when i like bought my house he's always like, just buy the expensive thing to begin with don't go yes. buy the ten dollar shoe shelf because it's gonna break in like two months yeah totally yeah. but it's almost encouraged by society right like you know the the world that we're building the capitalist society that we live in it's like sure go ahead and buy the fast cheap quick thing yeah because it's more efficient but then i love kind of seeing a lot of smaller companies or one person companies where they're you know upcycling and you know recrafting mm. and that 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 craft of fixing something yeah it's much easier to go to the shop and buy something new but i love just spending my time fixing something um, rather than just chucking it. Yeah. Mm. And there's so many kind of, I mean, that brings me to my next question is that I just love this idea of having cookware be like a family heirloom. Mm. I mean, I come from a family where we've treasured our family recipes and, you know, I've I've got my grandmum's diary and I cook from it and things like that. So obviously I maybe come from that route already, but you know, we pass down electronics and we pass down gold. Um, so why can't we pass down cookware? Actually, you know, mm. um, it's just I think it's a wonderful like it's a wonderful thing to to kind of do and pass something on and you know maybe cook in a pan that your grandmother cooked in. So, yeah. but is that something that happened in your family as well, or like? Do you have any recipes that were passed on or any pans that were passed on or is this something that you guys are trying, is, is this an idea that you're trying to promote or do you kind of have personal experience about it happening to you? I've, I've got a, a recipe book um, which is a 1970s leather bound kind of wow. notebook. It's really <laughs> awesome and my parents gave it to me when I went flatting mm. and they sat down and hand wrote all of the recipes that I loved like eating when I was growing up. It's so special. <laughs> it's, it's really special. And a lot of them are like, uh, you know, like Granny Sue's shortbread. And um, I remember when I was a teenager, my mum um, had like all of these strange foreigners come and stay through university um, courses and things. And so we have like these weird, crazy, spicy stews that were made, but it's always like Xander's fish curry and like <laughs> weird things. But, and it makes up a story. Yeah. And it, it was so important when I moved out of home and was then solely responsible for That's all of my That's always kind of when you start appreciating mum's cooking, right? Like yeah. I just took it for granted until yeah. I like, had to bloody do it myself. And I know. Like every day, it just does not end. <laughs> I tell me about it. Yeah, but it was, and it was so comforting being in a flat, but being able to make my granny's mince and cheese strudel myself yeah. and knowing how to do it and I think um, so the recipes have been passed down unfortunately not the actual cookware itself but that is something that we want to start mm. with the ironclad pan is that tradition of creating the recipes being able to store them on their recipe vault online 
um, pass the recipes down with the pan when the time comes to. Uh, yeah, that's re- been really important. And I think that recipe book that I was given was like a inspiration. Uh, Did they write down the, proper measurements in the recipe book? Not always. Yeah. Sometimes it's a bit rough. <laughs> <laughs> so I say this because my grandmom, in uh, her diary, she's written things like, you know, coriander worth two cents and I'm just like what is that no. like is that a bunch is that half a bunch is that like a whole basketful like I have no idea how much coriander you got for two cents yeah that is, that's a really difficult measurement <laughs> so um, yeah because I think that's a challenge which comes with um, Indian mums and in so much of the stuff that we cook is just cook with your senses yes. and when I moved and I was like telling my mom you know how do I make this or I'd call her and she'd be like now just add a little this and I'm like what how is, much a is a little yeah. <laughs> or until it tastes right or yeah. until the texture looks good and you're like what is that yeah oh. <laughs> so what about you Jo do you have any like family recipes or anything that was passed down to you or do you, I mean do you kind of enjoy this concept of it like your cookware being something that you pass on 100 percent um the the cast iron skillet that my nan had i decided to get a pair of trainers i mean i was 11 or 12 so trainers felt like the better option rather than a cast iron skillet but my brother um, who now lives in singapore has taken it everywhere with him really um so he got the got the cast iron skillet and i inherited the the stew recipe, right? Like Nan's stew. Mm. Um, that's the one. Have you shared it with your brother in. since you, he got the skillet? I've shared the recipe. Did he keep it a secret? Texting the recipe, yeah, definitely. Um, but now it's kind of like I don't know. There is an element of being able to hand it down through the generations, both the skillet and the recipes. But I think wherever we go around the world. Um, Clearly, I'm not from New Zealand, from England, but wherever we go and travel around the world, we'll always try and find new recipes um, and try and embrace the culture of those different places that we're going to um, and take them back to wherever we're traveling or living um, and make them our own. Um, so I think that that connection through recipes is, is amazing, both within your family and within a much wider family of people. Yeah. I love the idea that your brother's taken a skillet with him everywhere. Like yeah. it's it's just so special. But uh, that's true, right? Because that that means I mean, no matter if you're in like a different country, it's like having a little bit of home mm. with you as well. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So now you guys claim to be the only company that manufactures a cast iron pan in New Zealand. Like, how come no one has thought of this before? Have have mm. we thought about it? And yeah, can you tell me a little bit of that history? Yeah, I th- I think they definitely have tried <laughs> and maybe historically there there was someone I would have to find out more on that but um, it's hard it's not easy like there's not very many foundries in New Zealand who are prepared to make the pans and if they are then it's quite a, an expensive process and it's um, and it's old school it, you know it involves a lot of skilled labour uh, the guys have to be trained to do it and it's hot and hard work so yeah. um, I know that the foundries we talk to make a lot of um, p- 
pieces of machinery or marine grade kind of fittings or light fittings or um, car parts kind of things like that so doing cookware is a little bit specialist when we first spoke to our foundry um, that we use scallons the guy there Arthur who runs it who's really lovely and been in business for about 50 years he um he just said good luck which was like, <laughs> I don't know I found that very encouraging um but I think people have tried and failed a lot and just found it too hard or um yeah so was the whole process of even kind of finding a foundry then quite quite difficult Cause yeah it was. Th- these guys were the only ones that we found who were um, local. We started, they've got a branch in Auckland and Hamilton, and we started making them in Hamilton. Uh, but we, it was, it was about being close enough to do quality control and, as we started out, understand the whole process because it's a new kind of craft to us. Um, so it was good having them local that we could go in and watch and learn and figure all the intricacies yeah because you wouldn't have that kind of background of how you go I mean I have no idea no. how a cast iron fan's made no <laughs> really iron involved yeah <laughs> that's lots about, of that's about it hot iron <laughs> yeah cool so Joe your pan comes with like a hundred year guarantee but right now you're a startup so how does that work can your guarantee be taken seriously or is this just kind of so marketing the, spin the words ironclad feel like a marketing ploy I can totally get that and <laughs> actually creating a product that you could guarantee for a hundred years was difficult and you know difficult enough then casting that guarantee into the bottom of the pan was also pretty tough um, but we were confident and so we we had a chat with some lawyers and um, basically tried to work out how on earth do we create a contract um, that you can hand down with your pan and your recipe vault to future generations. That means this part, this pan will have a three generation guarantee, a hundred year replacement guarantee. Um, and so yeah, we got, got to the end of that discussion and now we have this, this three generation guarantee that's signed by um, us three co-founders and um, yeah, it was like, again a pretty, pretty tough process um, that I'd never embarked on before. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, the foundry that we're working with, they're 50 plus years old and, you know, they've given us the reassurance that the, the iron and stuff that they're using will last 100 plus years. And anyone that knows anything about cast iron skillets, they are one of the most durable things in the world. Um, and so for us, it was about, you know, making sure that we're using the right grade of iron. So we use T100 grade iron rather than the T250, which is slightly lighter and you know, just making sure that the product would, would stand the test of time. Yeah. Um, and I love that you've got your guarantee, like, literally in the cast iron. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's no kind of, I don't know, hiding behind, oh, you lost your warranty card, sorry, we can't yeah. help you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you <laughs> totally. Can't, you can't avoid it because it's, it's there every time you use it. Yeah. yeah, we're just staking our names on it too. It's like a, mm. a confidence in the product that we have. And then, obviously, we're not going to live for a hundred more years. Um, But I think that speaks volumes, because just from when I've chatted with you, and since then I've gone to a few shops and obviously looked at Casta and Cookware, Mm. and now I feel like, oh, wait, I do want to buy something which actually says that right up front. Yeah. Then, um, you know, 
this kind of one which I mean even if it's cheaper I'm like oh wait where did that come from is it yeah. actually cast iron is it really gonna last yeah, yeah. because it's it's quite an investment yeah it is for sure yeah yeah and we know we know that it's um it's an investment for a lot of people it's a big deal and we want it we really want it to last and we are just confident because of I guess looking at previous cast iron products as well if they're well made you can find them really old ones and they last they may have been put away for years but they can be re-seasoned and reworked and um yeah yeah continue to be used so actually cast iron is often seen as the kind of hard to use pan in the kitchen maybe that's a perception that's come Mm. about due to having like kind of non-stick and you know now people kind of getting used to food not sticking to their pan and and things like that so how do you I mean what are some of the benefits of cooking in cast iron and how do you kind of communicate that you know it's not actually hard to use it is the better option yeah I think we need to raise awareness yep. ourselves and, you know, do little educational things around how to use it. But um, it is it is non-stick. It, it becomes extremely non-stick the more you use it. So it's just about seasoning the pan properly yep. and then looking after it properly. And if you can use it every day, that's awesome because the more you use it, the better it gets and it's at the beginning uh, a matter of using probably a little bit more butter or a little bit more oil than you would normally getting the pan up to heat so that uh, when you put your food in it it's at the right temperature for the food not to stick to the colder surface Um, and then just when you've finished cooking with it rinsing the pan out ideally when it's still warm with really hot water and drying it thoroughly sometimes like whacking up back on the stovetop or in the oven just for a couple of minutes to make sure all of the moisture's out and then a light re-oil and it's good to go so yeah and just building on that so you've kind of got a the right use and care for it you know the more you use it the better it will get over time um but also um cast iron is so versatile in like how you can use it mm. so it might be pretty heavy which is why we had a, a second handle on it so that you can lift it up with both hands and we're looking to create some new products so that you can you don't burn your hand when you're picking it up and moving it around and all those things but the beauty of cast iron is a the the health benefits of using cast iron you know if you've got a cast iron deficiency um, an, iron an iron deficiency. Cast <laughs> iron deficiency. An iron deficiency. Um, then it's perfect. Um, and then secondly, does you it know, help with that if you have an iron deficiency? Yeah, weirdly, like a small amount of iron um, goes into your food okay. if you're cooking in the in the cast iron, mm. which is great. Yeah. And then the I guess the versatility as well in terms of how and where you can use a cast iron skillet mm. um, makes it a lot easier to use in the kitchen you know you can use it on any cooking surface from ceramic stovetops to the barbecue to and you know if you're going camping you can take it with your camping mm. you can chuck it straight in the oven yeah um and like i've been using mine for all sorts of different recipes from baking to dinner to mm. you know actually what you can cook in a cast iron pan is pretty yeah. pretty varied as well so i recently came across the cast iron like cookie 
Yeah. And I literally uh, just want to buy the pan so yeah. that I can make <laughs> the pasta cooking. <laughs> totally. It's great for baking, isn't it? Yeah. 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 So your pan is not enamel coated. Is there a difference? Like from when it's enamel coated, does the enamel do anything? Does it just make it look pretty? Good question. I'm not actually sure on the benefits of enamel. I only know the opposite of benefits, the bad things about enamel, like the chipping and the discoloration and the um, potential when you've got two different materials, like if it was enamel coated, then there's a chance for water or um, things to get between the two and for it to become like aged badly that way. Um, I would hate for like to buy something really expensive and then have the enamel chip. Like, yeah, I don't know, you know, and then would kind of. I'm one of those people. Like, once you see like something's broken, then I want to just be like, fix I it either want to like fix it or I want it yeah. like not near me. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it would kind of take away from the fact that here's a cookware thing that you can use for ages. Yeah. Yeah. It does it. I've got one of the Le Creuset enamel coated ones, and it just is so discolored and um, slightly chipped on the inside now from wear and tear and I don't I don't see how they last <laughs> forever those ones but yeah okay and is there some kind of myths about cooking in cast iron that you'd like to address um, I guess it's that it's difficult because it's just a, about getting to know how it operates like how to work with it more and the heavy thing is kind of like, yeah, it's slightly heavier than your Teflon pan or a copper yep. pan, but um, but it's durable and it's not like really unusable because of the weight. My stepmom, she, she just didn't want to have the pan. She's like, I've got really bad wrists, I'm arthritic and I just won't be able to lift it and cook with it, especially when there's food in there as well. But I sent them a pan anyway to use and she was the one who said she uses it every day now, like it's not an issue, she's just used to it. I think it's breaking that barrier of... Yeah, just being something that you choose to pick up the skillet rather than like your non-stick stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So... Tell me a little bit about your process of starting, Joe. Like, how has the journey been, um, you know, in terms of, like, kind of convincing people to use this? And, I mean, I found you guys, I think, on some local New Zealand-made Instagram page, and that's how I heard about you because mm-hmm. I haven't really heard about you before that. But yeah. mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about that journey. Yeah, we were kind of under the covers for a little while just, really working on the product for at least six to nine months before we could before we could launch and so it took us probably until January 2020 to to launch properly um, and even that was a very very quiet soft launch um, it's very chicken and egg investment we we kind of believe in creative backing rather than financial backing so we didn't have any outside investment we just all three of us put a little bit of money hmm. um, you know towards it but mm. given our, our kind of our backgrounds and our experience it was you know how do we tell the right story about this product how do we um, you know market it to um, directly to people rather yeah. than you know going through retailers and distributors and that kind of journey because by doing so we could really understand early on what the feedback from our customers was um, exactly how they're using it what they want in terms of new products in the future, which has informed 
a lot of the new products and stuff that we were working on. But mm. yeah, we were very fortunate um, that the the New Zealand made product Facebook group got started and mm. we did a couple of posts in that which led to some you know pretty good sales for us and we then went out and created a, a brand film and have kind of partnered with a you know a couple of chefs like Peter Gordon and Michael yeah, I was gonna tell you about it. that's like that's pretty amazing to partner mm. with kind of those level of chefs so early on as well they seem to have amazing feedback about the product, so that's that's a good thing. Yeah, that was that was pretty encouraging, getting good feedback from experts like those guys. We also had our um, after after we got started, we decided that we really needed to bring on our own chef mm. uh, and make you know make some recipes and and get an expert on board at the company. So we. Um, we now work with Felicity Morgan Rind, who's who's a director of film for her career. Mm. But as her little passion project, she um, cooks in the pan for us and creates all these incredible recipes and yeah, I've little. Seen your Instagram page makes me very hungry. Yeah, I know, <laughs> mouth watering. Over lockdown, it was that like torture because we couldn't go and try all of this food, and I was like, "Oh man, Arani's so lucky <laughs> living with you." Um, but she trained under Peter Gordon for five years in London a long time ago, and it it shows she's she's a real proper chef. She knows what she's doing, and the food that she makes is inspirational. And how and how much she enjoys cooking in the pan is really awesome too. So she's teaching us all lots of stuff, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, just seeing those posts really helped kind of maybe as a potential customer because it was kind of like oh you can make this and you can make this mm. and because I mean somehow there's the perception also like when you think about a skillet it's like oh I'll use that to make steak yeah you know right you know, yeah you know, or like I mean, like I was telling you earlier about the yeah. cookie thing I was like oh my god you can make a cookie in it like why didn't yeah. I think of that but it's good to kind of have that kind of partner on board who can yeah showcase your product in that way maybe that's a myth buster for us like it's not just for cooking meat and steak if you're vegan or vegetarian this is like perfect for you too exactly because I mean that has always been the perception Mm. for cast iron like oh you can you know make perfect steaks that kind Mm. of thing yeah so and it does make great steak yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah I'm gonna try it out (laughs) but I, I just love that you can you know take it just right from the stovetop and yeah. bung it in the oven you know, yeah and having to change pans and yeah and things perfect. like that did you guys measure so that does the skillet actually fully fit into the oven because that's yes. another pet peeve so i bought something oh, no. and then i didn't measure it and now it's didn't like it's in. meant to do that but it doesn't do it oh <laughs> no it's too long oh. and it pisses me off <laughs> that's a disaster oh no mine definitely i've got quite a small oven at home but it definitely fits in there easy Okay. So Joe, I mean, or Kate, why start with a skillet and like not a Dutch oven? Over to Kate. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, it comes down to that little set of three pans that we had that I used mm. all the time. And I wanted it to be, especially the first product off the off the bench um i wanted it to be something that was used all the time really versatile um 
yeah, single use items are just not not really our style. I want, I, we just wanted to test it out mm. and see. And it's a family size kind of pan, so you can cook a lot of different stuff in it, and it and it should sort of feed a small family, four maybe. Mm. Um, but it, it's the first one off the rank, so it's sort of figuring out what comes next. A Dutch oven will be coming eventually yeah. <laughs> um, and a smaller pan. So yeah. we're kind of, we just wanted to test it to make sure it was going to be the right thing, that people would respond to it well. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, it looked beautiful on a computer screen. <laughs> and then when you make it and put it into the world, that's when you can really get feedback from people in terms of you know what do you think do you think there's longevity on this should we you know quit the day jobs and yeah and, and do this you know mm. type thing and you know just getting you know hundreds of comments from people about you know can you make a can you make a dutch oven can you make you know gem what was the gem thing oh ginger gems like a gem what okay. is that called it's a, it's a funny Kiwi <laughs> iconic thing that I'm going to now yeah, look into. I was just going to say that sounds something like it's pretty. It's pretty crazy. There's a whole bunch of bizarre products that, you know, people wanted us to make and we were like, okay. A bigger one, one, a smaller one. Yeah. 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 So these are the few that we're going to go ahead and make and... Yeah, and so much of business is also kind of distilling that feedback, right? Like it's amazing yeah. to go out directly to the customer and get the feedback. But yeah. I presume... And I think when you're dealing with food, it's easy. You can be like, oh, okay, a little less salty, a little more salty. But obviously, mm. you can't do that with your <laughs> with your product. So it's all about kind of distilling that feedback and being like, yeah, mm. we'll listen to these things. Yeah, we'll do this thing now and then that thing later. Yeah, absolutely. It's been it's been pretty awesome. How many people out there? just get in touch and say exactly what they think and exactly what they want too like what they would like to have and I've had other um, comments about you know are you going to be making a full range of kitchenware because I like all of my kitchenware to match yeah and it's like whoa okay (laughs) that's pretty ambitious but yeah yeah Yeah, well that's a that's a good kind of thing to aim for yeah yeah maybe sure. you know like a whole set you can give someone when your kids get married yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah not hinting at you mum <laughs> you didn't give this <laughs> no so obviously you guys have been selling direct to consumer but do you guys have like plans for future expansion in terms of like going to retail or so we work selling internationally I don't know so yeah. the partners that we work with we really wanted them to kind of align with our brand and our values around you know family and quality and sustainability and so we partnered with Sabato in Auckland um, as our first retail partner and they're just really behind the brand the story what the skillet means and have kind of put it front and you know front and center in the shop which is great and now mm. we're looking to partner with a couple more people just in terms of increasing that that distribution but being able to get that feedback from customers in real time is so important to us mm. yeah. and it's not something we can do through through to retailers retail. um, and I guess as far as the longer term plans for the the business go we will be looking to launch into other markets because sustainability is such a big value for us um, in terms of not using any chemicals in the production process through to how do we actually get um, 
you know the pans to customers and all of the partners that we work with you know printed use and care instructions that come with it to the you know uncle joe's marlboro oil grapeseed oil that we provide with the pan all kind of locally owned and mm. operated so we're trying to create kind of some kind of ecosystem of partners that we work with here in new zealand um but the plan would be to um to launch in other markets with other foundries in those markets so that we're you know keeping a good eye on our carbon footprint and things like that local yeah. keeping it local yeah, yeah. it's really yeah. important well, i think it would be amazing for ironclad pan to be kind of like waving the kiwi flag up there with you know like your lodge and le creuset and like maybe in three generations someone being like nah don't buy that that would be amazing <laughs> that is definitely the long game yes okay. cool so just to wrap up now we're going to do my favorite section which is called fast food five where i ask you five questions about food really fast <coughs> it's nothing to do with fast food <laughs> so all right should we go with you first kate okay okay it's your favorite family recipe that's passed through the generations Oh, that does have to be this mince and cheese strudel that I keep talking about from yeah. Granny. Yeah, and yeah. Okay. And so when you pass down your skillet to your children, mm-hmm. what will your skillet kind of most taste of or smell of, like the one ingredient that's kind of always in your food? Oh, that's a good question. Isn't it? I just thought of it on the fly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm a bit of an olive oil like nerd I spend too much money on olive oil so I I think it will it's always high quality olive oil okay. start with that yeah yeah I think coming from India mine would just smell of like ginger garlic yeah. <laughs> I, I can't yeah. think of any dish where I don't begin with adding ginger, ginger garlic, garlic into yeah. the pan like even if it doesn't call for it like by default it just kind of goes automatic in. <laughs> yeah yeah all right so the one thing that you must always have in your kitchen Oh, this is tricky. <laughs> like it could be an ingredient, could an be ingredient. an equipment. <laughs> Maybe. Well, it's definitely the pan, but um, but a balsamic, I think. Oh, balsamic. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. another thing that I use a lot. Yeah. Awesome. It's quite the evolved palette. So yeah. far I've just had people say flour and butter and stuff like that. So. <laughs> okay. Phew. All right. And if you were a vegetable, which one would you be? Carrot. Joe's getting all this time to like I know. He's thinking about it. It's unfair. <laughs> carrot. Definitely a carrot. <laughs> okay. And salt or sugar, what would you rather give up? Give up? Oh, salt. I've got a sweet tooth. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I love my salt too much. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Joe, it's your turn. So, your favorite family recipe that was passed through the generations? It's got to be a gammon and pineapple recipe from my great granddad. Oh, wow. Will you invite me over and meet me when this releases? (laughs) So, part of me doing this is a very selfish motive. Yeah. (laughs) I just get to like eat all the secrets. Yeah. All right. And what would your skillet smell or taste of? Um, probably paprika. I use mm. it with everything. Awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. And what's the one thing that you need to have in your kitchen? You say you gave me this time to think. Is this tough? Um, <laughs> one thing I need to have in my kitchen is the pestle and mortar 
Oh, okay. Again, yeah, that's a good it, one. Use it for everything. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And I love how it kind of leaves your spices really coarse, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, just cru- like crushed peppercorn in a pestle mortar is totally different to any other pepper. Yeah. Right, yeah. Okay. And if you were a vegetable, which one would you be? Um, I think I'd be a radish. A radish? <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's a bit left to centre. Yeah, there's, there's absolutely no reasoning behind that. Just in the moment right now, if I was to morph into a vegetable, I, I would be a radish. Okay. Well, that's an interesting stew I can make with carrots and radish. <laughs> All right. And salt or sugar, what would you rather give up? Hundred percent salt. Yeah. Yeah. Banana sweet too. I love all the desserts. Yeah. <laughs> I literally just got lunch before we came here, and Kate got this beautiful. What was it? Hello, me and mushroom Hello sandwich mushroom thing. Sandwich from Ripe Deli, and I'm there with a, a caramel slice for lunch. Yeah. For lunch. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you both for coming onto the show. It's been awesome chatting with you and learning more about cast iron cookware, but just also just kind of hearing your story. And yeah, like I said, um, keep waving the Kiwi flag high and I hope to, you know, be able to gift down a whole set of cookware to my, uh, to my sons. <laughs> thank you so much for having us on. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Kiwi Foodcast. Brought to you by Podcasts New Zealand. Be sure to listen in next time for another helping of Kiwi Food Stories.